Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles today, Luke chapter 5. Open there, Luke chapter 5 this morning. That is where we are going to be, and we have summer camp right around the corner. And uh, I mentioned that just a minute ago with camp. We have teen camp. We have junior camp coming up. We've got VBS coming up. I can't help but think of it, and this is gonna sound this is gonna sound a little weird, okay? I'm just saying, I'm just right up front, I'm just saying it. Anytime I think about camp, wanna know one of the things I think about? Hygiene. <laughs> think about hygiene, personal hygiene. And here's why, because uh, if you've ever been to junior camp or senior, wait, 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 no. If you've ever been around kids or teenage, wait, if you were ever a kid or a teenager, then you know like hygiene is something that like you just don't really get. There's some adults that don't get it either, but that's beside the point. Man, a hygiene for like a kid, for a kid, a teenager, it's just something that it's supposed to be in your life. It's supposed to be there. You're supposed to be developing it like each and every day. You know, you have different things. There's things like showering and brushing your teeth and putting on deodorant, right? Hygiene. I think about it because when I was 21 years old, I was serving as an intern uh, at the church that my dad pastored at. Now, by the term intern, what I mean is church slave, (laughs) guy who does everything. You get voluntold to do everything. And I remember we were serving me and a friend of mine, Jonathan, and another friend of mine, Joe. We were all the interns that summer. I was 21. Hannah and I had just got married. Uh, we went on our honeymoon, came back, and did started the internship. And I remember that uh, camp came. I was going to camp as an intern, as a counselor. And Tony is, our, is the youth pastor at the time. He's still a great family friend. And we got to camp, and the three interns, we were kind of talking about the week and things. And, and Tony kind of came, and he's about from me to Jimmy, about that far. And he, he threw me a can of something. And I caught this can, and I look, and it was, it was a Axe body spray. <laughs> and he, I, he threw it to me, and I looked at it, and Tony said, uh, he said, you guys are in charge. I'm like, Tony, I don't use this. This stuff's nasty, man. And he's like, no, listen. And he pointed over to one of the eighth grade boys. He said, you see Eric right there? Or this far? He said, you see him? I said, yeah. He goes, the boy stinks. He said, you're in charge of him not stinking. And we're like, what are we supposed to do? And Tony said, I don't care what you do. I'm just telling you, if he stinks, he's in your cabin. And we talked back and forth, and Tony came over. He said, in all seriousness, he's like, here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys just to help him with some lessons on hygiene. And I said to Tony, I'm not his mom. He was like, well, apparently his mom forgot. So it's your turn. So me, Jonathan, and Joe, all week, we had a responsibility of Eric, of helping him with height. Like, all week, we were like, hey, did you shower today? Well, yeah. No, you didn't. We can tell. Hey, did you brush your teeth? 
Hey, Jack, like I really, I felt like a mom all week. By Wednesday, Eric was like, why? He was like red in the face. Why are you asking me this? You know, and Jonathan was pretty blunt. He was like, well, bro, if you didn't stink, we wouldn't ask you. And, and you know what? You say, pastor, what does this have to do with the message? Absolutely nothing. I'm kidding. It really does. You know what it is with hygiene? Listen, with hygiene, it is one of those things that it is supposed to be in your life. It's supposed to be something that you do every day. You take care of yourself, but it's something you don't really talk about very much. I don't know too many people that walk in and are like, hey, I put on deodorant this morning, just wanted everybody to know. I just, just announcing it right up front. Or you walk in and go, I forgot. I'm, listen, keep your distance. <laughs> Hygiene is one of those things that from an early age, your mom, you get up in the morning and your mom says, hey, did you brush your teeth? Hey, did you, when's the last time you, hey, have you done your hair? Your, your parents ask you that. Why? Because they're wanting to put into your life and my life a trait that should carry on through life. Did you know in the Christian life, there is supposed to be some traits that carry on through our Christian life. There's supposed to be some things that we build into our life that we don't really talk about very much, but it's supposed to be there. And how you develop these certain traits is by simple little reminders, simple little lessons. And today, the trait that we're going to talk about, it's actually the title of the message today is Deeper Faith. I want to talk with you this morning about faith and the fact that God calls every single one of us. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God calls you to live a life of faith. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior, God wants you to put your faith in him and his death, his burial, and resurrection, recognizing that Jesus died for your sin and my sin and how we receive a relationship with God, how we receive forgiveness of our sin is not through baptism waters. It's not through being a good person. It is not through uh, helping, uh, helping around the neighborhood. Listen, all of those things are great, but the only way that a person can know for certain that their sins are forgiven and that God is in their life is if they, by faith, believe in Jesus Christ. But that faith journey starts at salvation, but it is a journey. Now, once you trust Christ as Savior, that is a saving faith. Once you do that, you are saved forever. But the Bible says this, that as we, once we accept Jesus Christ as Savior, that God then desires that we would take steps of faith that we would grow in faith, that we would be able to demonstrate faith with people. It Faith, like hygiene, is something that's supposed to just be in your life. You don't talk about it much. Hey, I'm really faithful today. Got a lot of faith today. Man, I'm really struggling today. We don't do that. Why? It's just in a Christian's life, it's kind of just supposed to be there. But you know what we need every now and then? We need some good reminders. And this morning, we're coming to Luke chapter number five. Luke chapter five, a great portion of scripture that we're going to see. If you were with us last week, we were in Luke chapter four, really kind of the early ministry of Jesus Christ. He's just started out. He's probably three to six months in ministry. He has a few followers. He's about to call his disciples for the very first time, many of them uh, to like go along with him and to become apostles. And he's, he's now getting some notoriety. If you were with us last week, there was some miracles that took place. There was um, 
some healing that took place. Jesus faced temptation. And last week, as we jumped into the message and the lesson on encountering Christ, we realized this, that the title of the message last week was A Little Bit Goes a Long Way, that with the word of God, with God's word, just a little bit goes a long way. And Jesus used it to overcome temptation. And Jesus used it to bring healing like he does spiritual healing to us. And Jesus, he used it to teach just like he wants to teach us and to convict just like he wants his word to, to convict us. And, and so last week, the lesson that we learned is don't neglect God's word in your life. Today, we're actually going to come to the same conclusion, and we'll see it in just a few minutes. But this is an incredible story in Luke chapter number five, and I want you to see what takes place as we learn just some simple lessons on faith. Knowing faith like hygiene should be a part of my life every day but we need some reminders. So let's get those. Luke chapter five, if you would stand with me and take your Bible. Let's go to Luke five. We're just gonna read a few verses together, give you a moment to stand as we read if you're able, and then, uh, and then we'll pray and we'll get right into the message today. Luke chapter five, beginning in verse number one, the word of God says this, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, that word pressed, it means to surround or to come upon, to come near him. They did this to hear the word of God. And he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, or that's another name for the Sea of Galilee. We'll see that in just a minute. And Jesus, he saw two ships standing by the lake. They're, they're docked. But the fishermen, they were out of them, out of the boats. They were washing. They were taking care of their nets. And he, Jesus, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon. Remember Simon Peter? Now, we have to know this. Peter has already had an interaction with Jesus. He already knows, John chapter one, Peter already knows that Jesus is the Messiah. So there's a, there's a backstory. They know each other. Jesus has been in Capernaum. He's actually been, last week we saw it, he was in Peter's house the week before, after service, went there for lunch, healed his mother-in-law. And I left out the mother-in-law jokes. Remember that last week? So he gets on Peter's boat and he prays him or asks him, that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he, Jesus, after they thrust out a little bit, he sat down and he taught the people out of the ship. And when he had left speaking, when he's done speaking, he said unto Simon, now launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. Simon, Jesus said, Simon, let's go fishing again. And Simon answered, said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and we have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake, and they beckoned unto their partners. They called their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For or because he was astonished and all that were with him. And they were astonished at the draft of the fishes or the catch which they had taken. And so, all, so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. This is an incredible, miraculous, amazing story that's before us today. 
And there's a ton of things that we could look at. But it's just through this simple story that today we're gonna learn five very simple lessons that will help your faith and my faith. Because if we'd be honest, every one of us could say, God, I need some help in faith. God, I need some lessons in this. There's five things that I believe will help you today if we tune in and allow the Lord to do that. So let's pray. We'll jump in and see what God has. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you take a minute and just in the quietness of your own heart, would you pray and give God permission to speak to you? God, I give you permission to speak to me today. And then make a commitment. God, if you speak to me today, I'm listening to you. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it in each of our lives. Father, I just come before you and I humble myself. I recognize, Lord, that this is your word and not mine. God, I pray that you would help me to handle it with care today. Lord, with boldness, with honesty. And Lord, just with your Holy Spirit that you would lead, that you would take the words that I say and that you would... Uh, they'd be from you, that you'd speak into each one of our lives. Lord, help us to develop, to deepen our faith, and to see the need for that today. If there's anyone with us today, Lord, whether they're in person or online that does not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, would you please help today be the day that they get that settled? Today to be the day where they put their faith and their trust completely in you. For those that do know you, Lord, would you speak to us and deepen our faith this morning? We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to this passage, we need to remember kind of what's taking place. Jesus is traveling around the northern region of Israel. This would be known as the Galilean region. Jesus has been, if you were to go to Luke chapter 4 and verse number 44, it actually tells us that Jesus was teaching in all of the synagogues. There would be a lot of area uh, up there, a lot of little towns, and the Sea of Galilee, of course, very beautiful area, but Jesus would be near maybe Capernaum. If you were to look at the picture, you can kind of see a little, a little bit of a town up here on that, uh, just kind of that north side, that would be Capernaum. Just to the left, off screen, would be a, a city of Migdal, Mary of Magdalene, just to the south right below these cliffs would be the city of Tiberias. And no doubt, these would be many of the synagogue areas that Jesus was teaching in or preaching in. And on this particular day, the, the word of God tells us that Jesus came to these shores of the Sea of Galilee, 13 miles long, eight miles wide. It's interesting they call it a sea. It's really just a big lake. Well, the Bible tells us some names of it, that it's called the Lake of Gennesaret, or it's called the uh, uh, lake, uh, the Sea of Tiberias, or the Lake of Tiberias, or the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus is here on the Sea of Galilee, this, uh, this body of water, 732 feet below sea level, the lowest fresh bo- freshwater body of water uh, in the world. Of course, the Dead Sea is quite a bit lower, um, but it's not fresh water. But here you have Jesus, and he's walking along the shore, probably near Capernaum, All the people are pressing around him. Now, in the followers of Jesus, here's what we need to know. When we read the Bible, and I'll say this a few times today to bring out some thoughts, we read it through our Western eyes, and almost we read it through our own mind of interpretation. So when you read that Jesus traveled with people, we automatically only think Jesus and then the 12 apostles. That's who Jesus traveled with. So you have this entourage of 13 people. 
But what we need to know is that Jesus had followers and people that traveled just about everywhere he went. Multitudes of people at times. And so when we come to verse number one, what do we read? We read that there's a multitude of people that are surrounding him or pressing upon him. Now, think about it. We know from the passage, it's early in the morning. So they're probably near Capernaum. Jesus probably had stayed there the night before. That would be kind of customary. He kind of based out of there. And so Jesus gets up and he begins proceeding through Capernaum and people are going, hey, there he is. Hey, there he is. And so there's little, there's groupies kind of following Jesus. And in the groupies, there's different groups of people. So we need to remember this. There's people who were uh, scoffers. All right, they, they didn't believe Jesus. They were actually, some of them paid by the Pharisees to try to come up with uh, lies about Jesus. In the group, there would be people that were just spectators. They were there for the miracles. Right, man, maybe I can get a miracle today. Maybe I'll see something cool. There were people that, uh, they were just curious. I wonder, wonder about this guy. And then there were those that were real followers. So they're following, they're pressing against Jesus, surrounding him. He's near the Sea of Galilee. It's literally right off the edge of Capernaum, like the streets of Capernaum lead right into the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus sees Peter washing his nets, customary, they're done fishing, cleaning up their gear. He goes to him, hey guys, hey, could you guys push out a little ways? Maybe let's just go 25, 30 feet. Jesus knew that the water would would act as a natural sound barrier. So he gets on that boat. This boat is actually uh, one of the boats that dates back 2,000 years. They call it the Peter boat in Israel that, of course, we don't know if this is Peter's boat, but they know it's a time period. So Jesus gets on a boat like this and they they go out just about 20 feet or so. Jesus knowing that the, the water would be kind of a natural sound carrier, making a little amphitheater, go out about 25, 30 feet. They didn't have megaphones or speakers. Jesus wasn't like, all right, guys, set up the sound system, you know. So he just got it pushed out a little bit. Jesus, the Bible tells us, he preaches to the people. He preaches to the people. Peter and and Andrew, no doubt, are there. This is their boat. But the Bible tells us that after he preaches, he turns to Peter and he says, all right, hey, let's go fishing again. And Peter goes, ugh. Lord, we've been out all night. Uh, You gotta be kidding me. And I can see Jesus going, well, let's, let's just try it. Peter goes, all right, well, since you asked, I'll, I'll go out because you asked. So they go out, they throw their nets overboard, and you read the story. Miraculous catch, catch of a lifetime. Nets begin to break. They beckon, they call, hey, guys, come on, come on, to the guys that are on the shore. Peter and, or, uh, Peter and Andrew call for James and John. They get their boat out there. They're pulling all these fish in. Boats begin to sink. Peter falls at the feet of Jesus and says, forgive me. Like I'm a sinner, forgive me. They go back to the shore. And the Bible tells us, verse 11, that they forsake all and they follow him. Why would Luke put this story in? That's my question. Why would Luke put this story in? I mean, is Luke like, hey, listen, I just want you to know that Jesus is interested in fishing. There's some of you that are like, yes, yes, he is. 
I told the 8.30 service, those of you that were here, uh, when the Stewarts, Anita and Sam Stewart, were a part of our church. Of course, Anita just moved here um, beginning of this year. Sam passed away a few years ago. But Sam, he always sat right up here, second, third row. And, and Sam was a fisherman. Anytime we ever came to stories like this, Sam would come up and see, hey, pastor. He'd say, hey, pastor, you know what? Jesus loves fishing. I just want to point that out to you. We were on, Sam was on his deathbed, and we were talking, and he knew it was just going to be a few short, really a few short days at that point. And I remember sitting there by his bed, and, and we were talking, and Sam just had a, he's just a just real sweet spirit, didn't he, Helen? Just a, such a sweet spirit, Sam was. And I was sitting there, and he just grabbed my hand. He said, Pastor, it's not going to be long now. And I said, I know, Sam. Of course, I'm getting teary-eyed. And he goes, you know what I'm going to be doing in a few days? I said, what? He goes, I'm fishing with Peter. And he kind of smirked and laughed, and he knew, you know, that he, he's just making a joke of it. But man, you know what? There's some people, they would look at a passage like this, and of course, again, Sam was joking about it, but they'd look and they'd say, oh, maybe, the, maybe we're really being taught that Jesus loves fishing. Okay, maybe, maybe you could walk away with something like that. But do you think that's why Luke put it in? Now, remember, why is Luke writing? He's writing, the beginning of the book tells us that he's writing to uh, perhaps a ruler, Theophilus, and he's saying, hey, I wanna prove to you that Jesus is the Messiah. And now he's beginning to talk about the power of Jesus Christ. And if you go to Luke chapter number five, what you find is is, uh, Luke writing to say, Jesus is powerful over creation, but he also has power to work in your life as an individual. Actually, all the stories in Luke chapter number five have to do with Jesus working in the lives of individuals. So here's what I want us to do this morning. We know the story. We know that Jesus has the power to work in the lives of individuals, but I want us to personally internalize it, to recognize Jesus not only has the power to work in the lives of individuals, he has the power to work in your life. And here's what God wants you to do. He wants you to deepen your faith. What does that mean, Pastor? He wants you and I to learn to trust him in a greater way each and every day in each and every situation. And these five lessons are gonna help us with that. Notice number one. First lesson about faith we need to know is that faith begins in small areas. That's a great lesson from this story. Faith begins... In small areas, if you were to go to our passage, you would see in Luke chapter number five that he enters into the ship of Simon Peter and he prays him or asks him to thrust out a little from the land. And then Jesus would sit down and teach people from the ship. When we find Jesus asking Peter to launch out, he doesn't say, hey, Peter, let's go fishing again. He doesn't say, hey, Peter, forsake all and follow me. No, you know what? Verse 11 happens. Yes, Peter does forsake all and follow Jesus. But verse 11 comes after verse number three. What is verse number three? Hey, Peter, I want you to trust me a little bit. And here's what I want us to understand this morning that in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ, faith continually begins in simple, small areas. In your life, God at times is going to bring a decision to you. He's going to bring a a request to you. But I can tell you right now, God's not gonna say, hey, jump all in. 
until God says, hey, just take a step. Just take a little faith. You see, Peter's mending nets. What does this mean that he's mending nets or washing nets? Well, they've been fishing all night. They had to repair everything. They had to wipe things down, just like you would clean up gear after your job, after your work. This is their livelihood. They've been out working for uh, 10, 12 hours. They've been out fishing, so they get back to the shore. They're cleaning up nets. Jesus comes, says, hey, would you go out a little bit? Here's Here's what I'm thinking Peter is thinking. Yeah, I could do that. Why? I'll keep cleaning the net on the boat. We know he took the nets back on the boat. So he's like, yeah, this, this, listen, this isn't a big deal. It's okay. It's a small thing. You know, in your life and in my life, God often comes and he asks us to take simple, small steps of faith. Why does he do that? To build our trust. It's like a parent. <laughs> Remember as a parent with your kids, those of you that have uh, kids, maybe if you don't have children, then you can think about when you were a child and your parents would get you to trust. You know what they do? They just get you to trust in little small ways. Now, maybe your parent was the one that put you on the 15-foot diving board right to teach you to swim. Maybe they did that. If they did, it was good for you, all right? That's all I'm saying. But you know to teach me how to swim, you know what my dad did? At first, he just allowed me to be in the water while he held me. And then he put me on my stomach and, and kind of held, held my stomach while I'd kick my feet. And then he'd move one hand. And then he let me kind of swim around. You know what he's doing? Taking little, little steps to trust him. Because then I got to the point where I could go to the 15-foot diving board and dad would say, hey, jump. Listen, if anything goes wrong, I'm right here. I'm in the water. I'll jump. Why? Because I trust you. You know what God does in your life? He wants you to make little steps of faith. Faith, it often starts in very small areas. Our son Micah, they were in the earlier service, or I'd point him out this morning, but Micah this morning, uh, or let's see, when he was uh, when he was about five years old, he was about five years old, the flu was going around, Micah got sick with the flu, and you know, everything that comes with that. And uh, Micah, he is just, he is sicker than a dog, man. And the night before he got sick, we had corn for dinner. Exactly. I'm not going to go any further. You already like just kind of know. Well, about three months later, we're sitting down for dinner. Hannah sets out the plates. We serve up dishes. There's chicken. You know, there's broccoli. There's some salad, some mashed potatoes. There's a scoop of corn. You know what Micah did? He ate everything around the corn. Little six-year-old, everything around it. Micah, why aren't you eating your corn? He had a little speech impediment. He would say, because it made me sick. What? Made me sick. I'm not eating it. It made me sick. And Hannah would say, well, Micah, it's been a few months, bud, and the corn didn't make you sick. You had the flu. Nope. It was the corn. And I'll never forget it. Micah was about six years old, and Hannah said to him, Micah, just listen. I just want you to try just a little bit. And I have, I have Micah's quote. I still have it written down. Micah, with his little speech impediment, he said, well, I'll twy, but I'm only gonna twy a little bit. I'll twy, but I'm only gonna twy a little bit. And if you want pictures, we got, we got video of Micah speaking when he was a kid. It's the cutest thing ever. 
You know what God desires in your life? Hey, God desires for you just to try a little bit. Hey, faith steps, they're small. In your life, God's not gonna say, thrust out into the deep right away. You know, God says, hey, just trust me and come off the shore a little bit. First lesson today, faith, faith often begins in small areas. But notice secondly with me this morning that as we learn lessons from this story in Luke chapter number five, that faith steps, they don't always make logical sense. Faith steps don't always make logical sense. Here's Peter washing his nets. He's been fishing all night. Jesus comes and says, hey, let's go out a little bit. Okay, I'll go out. I'll keep washing my debts. This is not going to be long. We'll be fine. It'll be all right. I can see Peter kind of rationalizing with himself. If you know anything about Peter from scripture, he would probably kind of be voicing this a little bit, maybe mumbling under his, oh man, I can't believe we're doing this, but it's all right. Like whatever, I guess, you know, kind of grumbling a little bit. They launch out and, and then Jesus turns and says, all right, hey, hey, listen, Peter, I know you guys have been working the night shift. I know you're tired. Let's go fishing again. Anybody here ever worked the night shift? Yeah. Just, you, you don't need to answer out loud, but just think about it. When your shift is over and someone walks in and is like, hey, you want to pull a double? You're like, <laughs> you are not talking to me because no. Like, that's not even funny. You know what I want to do? I want to see my eyelids. It's all I want to do. It's all I, I just want to sleep. In high school, I stocked groceries for a military uh, commissary, and we would get off of work, me and a couple friends. We'd, we'd work all night stocking groceries, and I was a junior, senior in high school. We'd get off work at like three or four in the morning. And I remember getting off work, driving by Taco Bell, getting some breakfast, going home, sleeping for two hours, getting up, going to school again. You know what, whenever, whenever it was a late night, there was three of us that carpooled together. There was often that there'd be one guy that was like slacking, taking longer, or maybe they had the, you know, the, end, uh, the end cap, so they had the double stock. And it's like 3.15 and you're like, dude, like I gotta go to school in four hours. Can we hurry this up? And I remember guys being like, man, come on, just help me finish. And you're thinking, I don't wanna help you finish. I'm gonna leave you here. Enjoy the freezer section for night for the night. And after you've worked a double, after you've worked a night shift, you don't wanna stay out. That's, that's what we need to know has just happened. They've worked the night shift. And here comes Jesus. Hey, I know you're tired. You can't text your wife because it's not even around yet. So now you're gonna have to explain why you're late. I know you're maybe a little frustrated, but hey, let's go fishing again. And we know, we know Peter was a little frustrated. We know that it didn't make sense because here's what you have. You have in verse number four, when Jesus says, launch out into the deep, that I skipped ahead. Yeah, it's not even on there. Here's what we know. We know Peter knew it didn't make sense because here's what Peter said to him. We've been fishing all night. Are you kidding? I don't, I don't wanna go out. Not only did it not make sense to him from a work standpoint, but from a fishing standpoint, it didn't make sense. If you know the region, in the Sea of Galilee at this time, fishermen were known for catching their best catches late nights and very early in the morning near the shore. They didn't go into the deep. And yet here's Jesus and he says to them, hey, let's launch out into the deep for a draft. Hey, let's go into the deep fishing. Peter is thinking, not only have I worked late, but 
We've been, uh, we've been toiled. We have worked deeply all night. God, we have not caught anything. This just doesn't make sense. But then Peter says this, nevertheless, at thy word, I'll go out. Here's what I want us to see this morning from this passage is this, that Peter was willing to submit to the Lord and to follow him in faith, even though he, Peter, did not understand what the Lord was doing. And here's the truth in your life and in my life as well. Sometimes Jesus asks you to take steps of faith or faith steps that may not make a lot of sense. Actually, we noticed this last week. This is one of the many reasons that people were so amazed and astonished at the teaching of Jesus because what Jesus taught was contradictory to what you and I think, right? Jesus taught this. If you want to go up, humble yourself and go down. If you want to be served, learn first to be a servant. If you want to have, learn to give, Like all of those things, that's contradictory to us. If you want to be blessed, learn to bless. You know, in your life and in my life, sometimes it just doesn't make sense, the faith steps that God is asking us to take, but there's still faith steps that God is asking us to take. When I was a church planter, when we first started the church uh, 12 and a half years ago or so, I remember people would ask, it's him, man, Dennis, Man, that must take a lot of faith. And they're right, it took a lot of faith. But here's what I remember. I don't remember, Jimmy, can I get you real quick? Just real fast. I'm not gonna make you talk or anything. I'm just gonna push you. That's all I'm gonna do. That's all I'm gonna do is push you. Just come up here real fast. God didn't do, I'm gonna push you off, okay? So that's where you're going. God didn't do this. All right, Dennis, go start a church. God didn't, keep coming back up here. Come back up here, come back up here. Don't get comfortable again. That's what you get for sitting in the front. <laughs> you, know God, you know what God did? God didn't just throw me. God said, Dennis, here's what I want you to do. You gonna pick me up? No. He just asked if I was going to pick him up. <laughs> do you want me to? Okay, I'm just checking. Here's what God said. Hey, hey Dennis, at 21, 22, here's what God said. Hey, would you trust me to, uh, to lead a youth group? Yeah, God, I'll trust you to do that. Hey Dennis, would you? Uh, hey, would you? Would you trust me? I'm gonna. Bl- I'm gonna give you some kids. Would you trust me in how to lead them? Whew. Whew. All right, God, I'll trust you in that. Hey Dennis, would you? You see what God was doing? Little small steps, but sometimes those small steps they don't make sense. Like it doesn't make sense. Would you trust me and give to me? I own the cattle on a thousand hills and don't need your money, but would you trust me? It doesn't make sense to be that person that stands out at work and, and you're the person that continually speak. God says, hey, I want you to witness. I want you to speak to me. Would you trust me with that? Okay, God, I'll trust you with that. It just doesn't make sense to me, but God, I'll trust you. Okay, God, I'm gonna trust you and be counterculture in my marriage. Okay, God, I'm gonna, do you see what I'm saying? Uh, God does not ask us to do these faith steps that are perfectly making sense in our minds because faith steps often don't make sense. Notice our third lesson today is this, that faith is blessed. (laughs) Hey, your faith is blessed. In the story, Luke chapter five, verses six and seven, what do they do? They have all of these 
boats, these two boats, and now they're overflowing. One of them starts overflowing with fish, and Peter beckons or calls to the other, hey, guys, come out here. And they, they come out, and their boat starts overflowing with fish, and they have the, the catch of a lifetime. I mean, they, they haven't caught fish, fish like this ever, and they're, they're overwhelmed with it. Both, both boats begin to, begin to sink. I don't know about you, but I'd call that a blessing, and God blessed their faith. But here's what I will tell you. Both boats would not have started sinking, would not have started sinking if Peter had not thrust out a little bit. Hey, both boats would not have started sinking had Peter not thrown out the net. You see, Peter had to take some steps of faith and then God blessed his faith. Now, here's where our issue comes in. Well, wait, let me rephrase it. Here's where Dennis Fountain's issue comes in. Sometimes God doesn't bless me the way I think he should bless me. And so I get frustrated. Okay, let me, let me just be honest with this. Do you know what? Sometimes I have problems praying for certain things. <gasps> You're a pastor. Yeah, I'm human and I struggle sometimes. You know why I struggle? Because I remember that time God didn't answer the way I thought he should. I remember the time God didn't heal when I asked him for healing that I thought would have been great. I remember the time that God didn't provide the way that I thought he should have provided. But do you know what I'm doing? In my mind, I'm playing God. I'm saying, God, I know the best way to bless me. And if you don't do it that way, then you're actually not God. Can I just tell you this morning, God doesn't bless in the ways we think are best, he blesses in the ways that he knows are best. Hey, God desires to bless your life. Oh, this isn't one of those messages where it's like, well, if you do X, Y, and Z, then God will bless you immensely. No, 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 no. God says, pursue me, and I promise you, I will bless you. It's just that the blessing might not look, it might not look uh, the way you think it should look. It's actually promised in scripture, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number six. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. What's God saying? Pursue me, I'll bless you. You know what God actually says? Matthew 17, 20, Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible to you. What's he saying? Hey, listen, I bless faith, but sometimes it may not be the way you think. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39 and 40, talking about the patriarchs of the faith, this hall of faith in Hebrews 11. Here's what it says. These all, having obtained a good report through faith, they received not the promise. Do you know what that means? They didn't see the blessing, but God's still blessed. Hey, you can mark it down. God blesses faith every single time. Here's what one author said. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. You know what that means? There are times in our life that I, man, God is like, hey, I want to work, but we say, nope, I, nope, nope. I'm not, I, God, last time, we make the excuses. Hey, God desires to bless your faith. Let's look at our fourth lesson this morning before we hit number five and be done, and that is this, that faith is often partnered with, what's the word? Doubt. 
Faith is often partnered with doubt. Where do we see that? Luke 5, 8. Remember the part of the story after they've caught the fish, Peter saw it. He fell down at Jesus' knees and he says, depart from me for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Why was he doing this? Here's what Peter was doing. Peter was recognizing his doubt. Remember, we've been fishing all night. I don't wanna go fishing again. It's like, like that little kid. I don't wanna go. Dad says, come on, fine, because you said so. That's kind of Peter in the passage. Lord, we've toiled all night. I don't want to fish. Nevertheless, at thy word, since you asked, we'll do it. I don't know what you're doing. You don't know anything about fishing. You're not a fisherman. You're a, you're a carpenter. Like I can imagine Peter kind of going through all that. We have to know that more words were spoken than simply or just what are recorded. Actually, John said that. He said there's more miracles and things that if, the, if they were all to be recorded, the heavens and the earth could not contain the scrolls of things that happened during the life of Christ. So we have to know there was some other conversation perhaps that went on. But here's what I highlight. Here's what I see. I see Peter's doubt. We read about Peter kind of opening his heart, Luke opening up Peter's heart for us to say, man, I, this doesn't make sense. I don't know why you're having us do that. Can I just tell you that often your faith and my faith, it is accompanied with doubt. But here's our problem. I think that sometimes as a follower of Jesus Christ, we think that we have to have all the answers and 100% faith. And we beat ourselves up because, man, because of the doubt that's in our life. Can I just help you understand that faith is often partnered with doubt? In Matthew 17, where we just were, Jesus didn't say, hey, you need to have a mountain size of faith. You know what he said? You need a little faith. What's he saying? You don't need a great big faith in God. You need a little bit of faith in your great big God. Hey, it's not about you having enough faith to do. No, 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 no. It's about you just stepping out, taking those little steps of faith to say, okay, God, I trust you. And God, even though there's doubt, I still trust you. I think of the story in Mark chapter number nine where the man who had a, a demon-possessed son, he had gone to the disciples and the disciples couldn't do anything and they had asked why. And Jesus said unto them and unto this man, he said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth and straightway the father of the child. Notice what he does. He cries out and he said with tears, man, he means this, Lord, I believe. Hey, there is faith, but help my unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. God, I, I believe, but there's this doubt that's here. You know what we need some Christians to do in this day and age? We need some Christians to say, God, help my unbelief. Lord, I trust you, but there's some unbelief here. Would you help me with it? Because faith is often partnered with doubt. Notice our fifth and last lesson today, and that's this. Faith is always, 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 always. I couldn't fit all of them in. Faith is always strengthened by his word. Okay, if you go to Luke chapter five, verse number 11, it says that they forsook all and followed him. Luke 5, 11, I said it a minute ago, the forsaking and the following wasn't the first thing. If you go all the way back, do you know why Peter went out a little ways? Because Jesus spoke to him. Do you know why Peter thrust out further into the deep? Because Jesus asked him to. 
Do you know why Peter threw the nets overboard? He said in verse number five, nevertheless, at thy word, or because you spoke it, I'll throw the nets out. Hey, every time Peter took a step was because he had listened to the spoken word of God. So he ended up at Luke chapter five, verse number 11, where he forsook all and followed him. Can I tell you this morning that Luke 5, 11, that is the goal, to forsake all and follow him. For you and I, each and every day, to wake up and say, God, I trust you so much that I will listen to you today. God, I trust you so much that I will apply your word into my life today. But do you wanna know what we have to do? We have to know this, that God will always use his word to strengthen, deepen, and grow our faith. I am asked often, pastor, I just want more faith. I just struggle with faith. I struggle with trusting God. Can I give you God's answer? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know what God has done? God has said, okay, I'll strengthen your faith. Here it is. Learn about me. Trust me. I love what Brian said when he introduced the song, Good, Good Father. When we have the right perspective of God, we can make the right faith choices. Why? Trust completely. Because I've seen what he can do. Because I've witnessed the miracles that he works because I've watched him work in other lives. Well, what about that one time he didn't answer? Hey, what about those 30 times that he didn't answer the way I thought he should? That doesn't mean he's less God. That means he's, he knows better than me. Well, I just, that just doesn't make sense. Well, faith steps sometimes don't make logical sense. <laughs> Do you see how all of this plays together? So Luke 5.11 happens, why? Because of the spoken word of God. So here's what I'm gonna ask you today as we close is will you ask the Lord to help you grow deeper in your faith? Hey, God, this week, will you help me grow deeper in my faith? Here's what I wanna say today. Maybe you're here and you haven't taken the step to receive Jesus into your life. Every single one of us need to have a time in our life when we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is the son of God. He is the Messiah sent to save the world. It is only through the shed blood of Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection that you and I can have forgiveness from God and a relationship with God. And if you are over here and you've never made the decision to receive Jesus as your savior, listen, the faith step that you need to make is this, I trust you as my savior. I believe that you are Messiah. I believe that you are the Christ. I put my faith in you 100%. But if you have trusted Jesus as your savior, your faith journey doesn't stop at salvation. Oh, you are promised eternity with God. That is settled. That is sealed. But now God's gonna say, okay, can you trust me in this trial? Yeah, God, I can trust you. All right, could you trust me and could you, could you speak up for me at work? All right, God, I'll trust you. Now, now, could you trust me and could you give to others? Could you give financially? Could you give to the church? Could you give to missions? Could you give to church planting? Could you, whatever it might be? Well, God, that doesn't make logical sense, but okay. Hey, would you trust me and would you forgive that person that you've been bitter against for a year, three years, five years? 
man, God, I don't want to do that. That's hard. God, I, hey, would you trust me? Okay, God, I trust you. You see, it's a faith journey where we take steps along the way. And so today I want to ask you, what step is God asking you to take? What faith step is God saying, hey, I want you to do that? Maybe today would be the day that you'd say, okay, God, help my unbelief. God, help me to grow deeper this week with you. I'd like every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Every head bowed and every eye closed today. And this morning, I wanna close just by simply asking you two questions. Number one, number one, do you know Jesus Christ as your personal savior? If you're here and you'd be honest, you'd say, Pastor, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, Pastor, I know if I died today that I'm going to heaven. Pastor, I know it. Would you slip your hand right up and right back down? Pastor, I know it. If that's you today and you raised your hand, you know for certain you're going to heaven. Hey, what step of faith is God asking you to take? Maybe it's a step of faith to get up in the morning and spend time with him and seek him. Maybe it's a step of faith to forgive your spouse or to take some extra time and invest in your kids. Maybe it's a step of faith to give. Maybe it's a step of faith to serve. What is it? Today, would you pray, God, help me. Help me to grow in my faith.